Well, good morning. How many of you guys have siblings, a brother or a sister? I have a lot of them. Um, I have six sisters, one brother. Um, but anyway, have you ever had a, an experience in your family where you felt like one of your siblings was being favored over you? All of the time. Yeah, I think. Yeah. How did yeah. that feel? It felt great the one time it happened for me. You know, I'm the middle child. Any of you middle kids? Middle child? Yeah. Middle children, I don't know if you know this, but middle children are the least likely to be favored. I mean, this is the re this proven fact, research, okay? And I remember the one time growing up, we didn't have much money, we didn't go out to eat very often, but this one time we were going out to eat, mom, dad piled in with all the five kids, seven of us in the car, we're going out to eat, we're, we're, we're being bad in the back seat, we always did that. You know, dad's like reaching back there trying to grab somebody and we're like hiding. And it was just chaos in the car on the way to go eat. We were gonna eat Chinese food and my, everybody hated Chinese food but me. So everybody's complaining, everybody's screaming, crying, moaning about it. And finally my dad turns around and he goes, the only one not complaining is Mike. We're gonna take everybody home. You're gonna get a baby, I'm gonna get a babysitter for you and we're just going out with him. It was so fun. <laughs> Man, best egg foo young I've ever had. Dropped them all off, they, they got a babysitter and I went out with mom and dad. I had two hours with my parents and that was like the highlight of my life, I think, right there. This is the only time I was favored. Yeah, oh, that's kind of sad. It's really sad, yeah. Yeah, well, we're gonna read a story today in the Bible about two brothers who were vying for their parents' attention. Um, the older brother was Esau, the younger bro brother was Jacob, and the, the dad, Isaac, he favored Esau, and the mom, Rebecca, she favored Jacob. And there's a scene in this story that we're going to read today that's probably among the most emotionally power-packed scenes um, in the Old Testament. It's when uh, Esau had just discovered that, that shadow, mm. okay. <laughs> Sorry, he had, Esau had just discovered that his brother Jacob had stolen their father's blessing from him. So let's read it. If you have a Bible, um, turn to Genesis 27, 30 through 38, or your iPhone, your iPad, whatever. Um, but at Genesis 27, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his brother, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, who are you? And Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it. I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud, bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me and he's taken away your blessing. And Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob. For now he's cheated me twice. First he took my rights as firstborn and now he's stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even just one blessing for me? And Isaac said to Esau, 
I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. And I've guaranteed him abundance of grain and wine. What's left over for me to give you, my son? But Esau pleaded, but do you have only just one blessing for me? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Can't you just hear the tone in his voice, the pain and the anguish? Do you have just one more blessing? Bless me too, Father. He wanted the blessing too. Somebody bless me. Somebody bless my life. It's kind of like the inner child in him saying, bless me, Dad. Bless me, Mom. We all kind of really want that from our parents. We want that love and that blessing from either our parents, a parental figure, a grandparent, but we we really crave that deep in our souls. And today we're looking in the book of Genesis and in this series we're calling Families Are Messy. And we're looking at the, uh, our patriot, the patriots of our faith, patriarchs, patriots, patriarchs, <laughs> patriarchs of our faith, which is um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph and their wives. Um, because much of the mess in their family is reflected in our modern day families today too. And so we're looking today at what to do when you're fighting for a blessing. Yeah. Not only were they fighting for this blessing, but there was this, this deception that kind of went into their family lineage. We talked last week about how some of the family mess that we have is passed down. And it can be these generational kinds of sins or these things that, that, um, that create like a cycle, a pattern that gets passed down from generation to generation. And we see that with Abraham uh, lying and deceiving. And then th that happening through his own son, Isaac. And then later, we see it happening right here through Jacob as well. Let's read about that. Kind of what happened previous to this heartbreak story is in Genesis 27, starting in verse 1. Here's how the story goes. One day... When Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I'm an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks. Bring me two fine young goats, and I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob, Jacob went out and he got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal, just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her younger son, Jacob. 
She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including fresh baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here is the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you are really Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau, he asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. And then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. This is one messed up family. I mean, I don't know about you, my family's a little messed up, but sometimes it just feels good to read about people who are more messed up than me. I like that. And I mean, this deception is just kind of so thick, going through mom to one of the sons that was favored. And then this deception to this dying old man, I mean, and all for the blessing, all for the blessing. Uh, if you were to title your family story, what would the title of it be if it was your book? I mean, it could be Clint Eastwood's title, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Might be something more creative than that. Maybe it's a history of isms like alcoholism or workaholism or materialism. Maybe your family history is really positive. A family history where there's teachers and musicians and physicians. But wouldn't it be great though, if, if we could say that as we look at maybe three or four generations that all the generations were serving Christ and loving Jesus. I mean, that is God's heart for us. And that even as you look back in the rear view mirror and you see pain and mess and problems and sin, God's desire for you is for that to change, that pattern to change with you and to change with me and that you can be the generation that changes things in your family lineage. You see, both Abraham and Sarah had their favorite son, Isaac. And then Isaac and Rebekah each had their favorite son. You know, Isaac loved Esau more, Rebekah, Jacob. And then Jacob later had his son that he loved most, Joseph. You see, th this thing is passed down. And God has, his heart is that we break those things that are passed down in our own lives. If you look at verse 5, it shows it so clearly. Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau. I mean, they're both her kids, but she's favoring one over the other. The scripture clearly shows us this. 
Maybe, maybe in your own family, as you look back, you were the favorite. Or maybe, most of us don't ever feel like we are though, right? Or maybe you know that you weren't. Some, some here this morning, I know that you feel like you're the black sheep of your family. You're the one that is always kind of on the outside looking in. And maybe you even have worn that as a badge through your life. And that badge that you wear can actually create some of the mess that you're experiencing in your family because God doesn't see you that way. See, God's heart, there is no favoritism in his mind, in his heart. He doesn't favor one over the other. God is no respecter of persons. So he sees you, he loves you, he knows you, you belong to him. And each one of us are like his favorite. And so God wants to change the trajectory of your life and he wants you to quit owning that badge as the black sheep or the one who's out on the outside looking in. And he wants to restore and repair and change some things in your, li in your, in your life. Now, I mean, if we're, if we're honest about it, when you're raising kids, how many of you have kids? A lot of you, a bunch of you, yeah. When you're raising kids, you don't always like them in the same way. Do you know what I mean? You love them equally, but you don't always like them in the same way. Some kids are a, a little dip, more difficult for one parent to connect with than the other parent. And just because you treat your kids a little bit differently does not mean that you don't love them the same. But sometimes it can get communicated that one is being favored over the other. When I look at uh, this story of Esau and, Jake, Esau and uh, Isaac and their bond that they had, I mean, there's a part of that that's understandable. I mean, Isaac loved the outdoors. I, Isaac was a hunter. Isaac loved, uh, and, and he loved... He loved uh, eating wild game, and Esau loved to do it. Esau liked to be outside. Esau liked to camp and sleep with a uh, rock as his pillow, and he liked that. And so there was this bond, and Jacob probably liked, you know, cooking, cooking cookies and, I don't know, <laughs> playing the clarinet inside. I don't, but he, and now that's, it's all just different. It's not one right, one wrong. It's just that he connected with his mom better. And there was a bond that was there. The problem, though, is that it went beyond just natural affinity to where there was actually favoritism being shown. And we see it through the deception. We see it because she wanted her son to be blessed in a way that the other one wasn't. And that's where it really starts to throw gas on a fire. Yeah, uh, when our kids were, were little and growing up, we really did try our best to um, not show favoritism. Um, and I can really honestly say I don't favor one of my kids over the other. But at the same time, I know that we've made a lot of mistakes. And um, I'm we're not really here today to condemn or to lay guilt on anybody because this is really hard stuff, raising kids. Um, but we really did try our best. I probably took it a little too far in some areas. Like for years, I kind of dressed my boys like twins. Because <laughs> you know the outfits. It's a lot I, of therapy. I there. was trying to be equal in the outfits. I know, we'll pay for the therapy, whatever. <laughs> but um, but uh, no, really, I, I, you know, I did that until they got old enough to go, no, mom, stop. We don't want to look alike. We want to be different people. So we did it at Christmas time. I'm, I told y'all last week that I'm a big Christmas freak and obsessed with Christmas. And 
So when we would go out and buy gifts, I would try and, and equal, like we'd spend the same kind of money on, or the same amount of money on each kid, and if one gift was a little bit less, then I'd have to go find another gift that would equal the same amount of money. Really, really what I do more than that is I try and make there be equal gifts among all the kids, and I do it now with all the grandkids. It's kind of a problem. That's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility. But anyway, so we, we I did that. Um, but one day, um, when our kids were little, probably about 10 and 11, um, we were going to Costco, and we just had pulled into the parking lot and parked, and uh, one of our kids just, out of the blue, broke down and just started crying, really uncontrollable crying. And so we sat there with them, and we tried to get out of them, pull out of them, like, what, what was really wrong? Well, what came out was that he felt that we were favoring one of the other one um, more than him, and that we f he felt we loved the other one more than, than him. And it really, really broke our hearts because we, we had tried so hard for so long, for so many years since they were born, to not play favorites and for things to be equal. Um, but that didn't negate his feelings. And sometimes what they feel is very real to them. And so it's good to acknowledge that and to validate their feelings, but help them, whether it's true or not, you know, help them walk through what they're feeling at the, in the moment and the pain of what they feel might be true. Yeah. Yeah, no, favoritism, um, favoritism ends up hurting, hurting kids when they feel that mom loves one more than the other, mom and dad has picked one as the favorite versus them. It can fuel this jealousy, this anger, this competition, and this grudge that can last for a lifetime. Maybe you're here and this stuff's pretty real for you and it's kind of rubbing salt in an old wound. And I just have a suggestion for you that, that today can be the day where you just begin to bring that to God. Bring your heart to God, bring those wounds to God, bring that, that kind of that memory back to God and just ask him to begin to heal it. Ask him to begin to not pour salt, but to pour oil into that wound and to begin to bind up the heart that's been rejected or hurt or wounded because God loves you, he sees you, he knows your pain and he wants to do that. But even to take it a step further, the more challenging thing is to offer forgiveness to your parents. They're imperfect, we're imperfect. Every one of us are imperfect. And, 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 and so just rip up that bill that they owe you. Rip up that offense and just say, Lord, I'm forgiving them today. I'm letting that go today. Or maybe you're here and you're a parent and you know that you're leaning a little bit towards one over the other. Maybe it, maybe it just started with natural affinity, a connection. Um, with one over the uh, one kid over another, but be careful. And maybe today is a day where you make that right. It could be that it just is between you and God, but it may be also you need to go to that kid. Maybe they're an adult child, and they have that, and they remember that, and they bring it up from time to time. And you've never, you've always denied it. Maybe it's time to go and and instead of denying it and hiding from it, just to own it. And just e even if you don't see it yourself, just to go and get it right with that person. Because see, we can be change agents in our family. Rather than just saying, yeah, my family's all whacked out and messed up, we can actually begin to be a part of God's hands uh, being used and his words to bring healing 
to a messed up family. So we've looked in this chapter about a story of favoritism. We looked at some fighting. We looked at some deception. We looked at some pretty negative stuff. But we would be amiss if we leave here and don't miss this other part, which is a huge part of this story, which is the blessing. The blessing of God, the blessing that they were fighting for, the thing that they wanted most. You see, inside of us, our human soul, we long for blessing. We want our Heavenly Father to bless us. We, in, our, in our soul, we want a parental person, a, an authority figure that we respect and look up to. We want a blessing in our life. And so blessing is powerful, and I want to talk a little about that. See, in the ancient world of the Old Testament, kind of sort of that deathbed blessing that we're seeing here is similar to what we might call our last will and testament. It just was a heck of a lot more powerful because it was spoken eye to eye. Now, the oldest son in the ancient world was entitled to a double portion um, of the inheritance of the father. So if you had two kids, two sons, for example, one, the oldest, would get two-thirds of the estate and the younger one would get only a third of the estate. And, and then if you were um, a girl in family, you didn't get anything. That's I know. No, but the, you know, it's the ancient way of doing it. But what would happen is the oldest then would take on more responsibility. They would then uh, be in charge of the family. They would carry some of the weight of that. And so they needed the provision to go with that as well. But, uh, and then if you were part of the, uh, the patriarch's family, what would happen is not only the financial piece of it, but also the covenant of God would then flow through your family lineage to bring salvation to the world. So it was, it was pretty powerful. But I, I, what I want to do is say, what of that is applicable today, that ancient blessing that we see time and again within the scripture? And there's three things I want to bring out that are super powerful that you and I can continue to do in our own families that your kids can benefit from, that your wife or your husband or um, even people at work can benefit from. And here they are. The first one is this, meaningful touch. As you read these stories of blessing through the Old Testament and even into the New, you will see that normally there was this impartation that would happen through the laying on of hands laying on of hands here, or maybe on, on a person's head. It might even be the kiss on a cheek, but there was this embrace, there was this touch that was meaningful, significant, and impartation of God's life and spirit happened through that. We see that with Isaac as he caught kind of the smell of the clothes and he said, come and kiss me, my son. There's almost always meaningful touch, even in Jesus' ministry. He was constantly reaching out and touching people, bringing healing to them. And on one occasion, when you remember when parents were bringing their children to Jesus, to what? To touch them and bless them. That the touch and the blessing typically go together. So where is it that we can do that in our families? Well, I mean, you can do it as simply as every single night if you have little guys or gals, when you put your kids down to bed, Go in and just make it a regular habit and routine to go in and just lay your hands on them and bless them and pray over them. Or maybe before you drop them off to school, you lay your hand on their shoulder and, and no matter what age they are and just bless their day and bless their friendships and protect them and so forth. That it's a powerful thing as you look someone in the eye and you, and you bless them through, through some form of physical touch that's appropriate. 
I know when men get older, it can be awkward and hard in our culture. It's not in most cultures around the world, quite frankly, but in our culture, uh, I think a lot of men struggle with that. And let me just encourage you, um, press past that. Keep embracing your kids, keep hugging them every day. And uh, I, know, I know that uh, you had mentioned last service about Chris, my, my brother, do you wanna tell him that? Oh, I just, you know, his, his brother has two daughters and they're both in their 20s and they still come and crawl up in his lap and they hug and sit there and snuggle and talk and it's not sexual in any way, not in the very least, it's just very sweet father-daughter. Yeah. And it just blesses Mike and I when we see that. Yeah, and if you have sons, same thing, just just keep, keep embracing. Although I don't know if Zach yeah. can get in my lap. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, the second thing uh, was words of high value. Yeah, words of high value are another um, part of the whole blessing that we can apply to, to not just our kids, but people in our lives. I have a friend who she oftentimes will just call me or write me a note and just let me know how how uh, valuable our friendship is and she'll let me know oh you're my best friend and she says things to me like i'm praying for you and she looks me in the eye and she says i am praying for you and that's so such a, a huge blessing to me to know that when she says it i know that she really really means it and when she looks me in the eyes she says i love you i know that she really means that um and it's the same kind of thing like in our marriages um, when instead of just like out the door, bye, I love you. When Mike looks me in the eye and he stands there for a moment, takes a moment and says, I love you, that makes a huge difference versus just the little bye, I love you. But look at the words of high value that Isaac gives to Jacob in Genesis 27, 27. It says, so Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was convinced and blessed his son and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. Now, to me, that doesn't really sound like words of high value. When my kids used to play outside and come in all sweaty, I'd be like, ooh, you smell like a goat. You know how their heads sweat and they stink, they smell like goats. I don't really think in our day and time that that's considered a compliment to say, you smell like the outdoors and the goats. Um, but um, Jacob knew in those days, he knew what his father meant. He knew his father was saying, oh, you're like the sweet, freshly cut grass and the dewy mountain dew. And not mountain, <laughs> not like the drink, but like the dew, <laughs> the dew from the mountains. And when I see you, everything in the world is right and it's gonna be a great day and you bless me. That's what Jacob was trying to say, words of high value over his son and i think we can do that um in our daily lives with everybody really you know everybody in your life you can look them in the eye and tell them how you feel right now don't wait for like a eulogy or something let people know that they're special you value them you see something in them that maybe others don't and speak that out don't wait just when the lord shows you do it come yeah. right out with it i love that and then here's the last one, the third one in the blessing that is important to remember. Don't, you don't wanna miss this one. And that is that you give, you give whoever it is your blessing a picture of a special future. 
a picture of a special future. So not only is there meaningful touch and there's words of high value, but there's also a picture of a special future. What do I mean by that? Well, when you look at blessing in the Old Testament, you look specifically at this one Isaac was giving to Jacob. He was saying this, he said, I picture you, my son, being really prosperous in life. I picture your, your farm bursting with grain and vats of wine. I picture you having supremacy over all your siblings and family. I picture you having supremacy over all the nations. Here's the destiny that I see for you. Wow, that's powerful. You see, your kids long to hear what you see in them and what you see for their future. And your grandkids do. And those of you who have authority at work where you're over people, your, your employees do. People care about what people that they respect and look up to. They care about what you see. And so God's people are to be a prophetic people, a people who can see beyond the here and the now, beyond the bad behavior, beyond the, the nuisances and the, and the things that annoy you, but to be able to see this human soul and what God sees for their future. And, and, and yes, you don't know it all. You're not God. I get it. I'm not God. But God can give you insight into where he would want to bring them. And some of it may have to do with some of their talents or their, their personality, their spirit, but it also could have to do with just things that you are believing for them in their future. It's a powerful thing to do. And I encourage us to be people who bless, people who are not afraid to step into the realm of the prophetic in a very normal and natural way within our families and begin to share our heart for our kids and for your spouse, for your, for your wife, or for your husband, and to say, this is what I see in you, and this is what I'm calling out for the future. And we have that ability by the power of God's Spirit to call things into existence as if they were, but they're not yet. It's cool, and we get to do that. This story uh, in Genesis 27, it's a story of blessing. But it's also a story of mess. And isn't that how our lives are? I mean, our, our lives are messy and our families are not perfect. And yet in there as well, there's blessing, if we'll see it. That God brings blessing and God even wants to take some of the mess and turn it into blessing, if we'll receive that. So I wanna encourage you. Let's pray right now and let's ask God to change our hearts where our hearts need to be changed, but also let's call on God for the blessing that we want to see happen in the context of our families and in our friendships. Will you bow your head and pray with me as we pray together right now? One thing that we always want to encourage around here is just to say yes to God, just to say yes to him. And so in these last um, couple moments here while we're praying, if God is knocking on the door of your heart and you know he brought you here for this message, he brought you here for a reason, would you just open your heart to him this morning and just say yes? Say yes to him. Yes, Lord, I, I place my faith and trust in you, Jesus, and what you did on the cross. 
that you purchased my forgiveness. All of my mistakes, all of my failures, Lord. I'm coming to you this morning and I'm asking you to be my forgiver and my leader and my Lord. I'm saying yes to you, God. Maybe for others of us, it's some aspect of that blessing just to be better at giving those words of high value or possibly a son or a daughter or a parent that's been hard to embrace and to just say, I'm going to, I'm going to make that extra effort for meaningful contact, meaningful touch so that blessing can be imparted. Or maybe it's in the area of just to have eyes that see prophetically beyond the here and the now and the problems of today into a future where God is and his promises are unleashed upon that person. Lord, open me to that. Would you say that to God? Just, I want to say yes to you in those areas. And I, I also want to pray if you're here and there's just a, a place that needs God's healing touch because some of this hit on a raw area of your heart. Would you embrace that healing from God today and just say, Lord, let it flow. Come in. I'm no longer going to hold on to this label of the black sheep, of the person who's on the outside looking in. God, I, I rearrange the deck. God, just bring healing. Thank you that I'm accepted by you, Jesus. Show me how to be a part of the solution and not a part of the mess any longer, God. Give me the power to forgive those that need forgiveness. And lastly, um, I just want to pray for those I did this last service. I want to do this again this service. I just want to pray for those of you who are new in our community. And just as a congregation, we want to bless you. If you'll let us just bless you right now in prayer, would you lift your hand? If you're new in our community, um, I want to pray for you right now. I see that. A lot of people here, just lift your hand up. As a church family, we just want to bless you. Lord Jesus, you see these people, God, precious in your sight. They've moved here. They're new in this community. Lord, uh, they're going through transition. Lord, would you bless them in their lives, God? Bring newness, newness, God. Pour out from the windows of heaven financial blessing over them, new jobs, new promotions, things, God, that will break through, Lord. Anything that's been hindering them, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would just cause it to break open right now. And Lord, that there would be newness of life and friendships and relationships that would be formed. And Lord, we just thank you that your face would be turned towards them, God, and that you would bless each and every one of them. And Lord, the things that they've been longing for, the, the risks that they've taken, Lord, we pray that you will honor those things of faith and God, that your promises would be yes and amen in their lives. And we pray this as a family and as a church and as fellow believers in the name of Jesus. Amen.